three, two, one. Welcome to a special edition of The Peaceful Truth. Typically, The Peaceful Truth is a podcast that talks about feminism, women empowerment, and more. But today, we're going to be talking specifically about equality. And I guess let's get right into it today, Megan. Um, But we are talking about this one, even though it doesn't necessarily apply to women's rights, we would like to think I, and I might be speaking for ourselves, but I'm pretty sure you agree, um, equality is just something that we're about. And this is just one of those times where we have to speak out if we are about equality. And it's uh, it's part of our purpose. Yes, I agree completely. And I also think that if we want to see change in this world, and if we want to see um I don't know how else to describe it. I guess negativity leave this world, then people like us need to stand up and talk about it. And we can't just sit back and let things happen. If we feel passionate about something and if our opinions are strong about something to making this world a better place, to making this country a better place, then we need to speak up. Right. Very well said. Um, But first, we wanted to start this off. We're talking about Charlottesville. um, But first, we wanted to say something for Barcelona. Um, If you haven't been paying attention, um, there was a severe terrorism attack there uh, earlier this week where about more than a dozen people passed away. Um, A terrorist drove through a crowded pedestrian area. like swerving to hit people purposefully um children died people from different countries died because it's a tourism spot but uh the police department um one our condolences to the community the families the friends but we'd also like to thank the police department um for working so hard working for hours and hours to find the suspects and those involved um we stand with you and we love you, Barcelona. Do you have any other thoughts, Meg? My thoughts um, about Barcelona, it I actually saw it on Instagram for the first time. Um, I think it was like a trending hashtag that I saw. And it just, it broke my heart to know that this terrorism is so widespread across the world. And when you think of European countries, you typically, I don't think of terrorism when I think of European countries. And now it is starting to be like that, especially Mm -hmm. in Paris. I mean, think of everything that's happened in Paris in the past couple of years. The concert. The concert. In Manchester. Um, And so now it's just, it's something that is getting out of control. And it's, um, it's hard not to be scared. But at the same time, that's the first thing that people say is to continue your daily life and to show that you're stronger than this you're brave you're you've got this and you've still got to live your life because then terrorism is winning when you don't live your life yep well our thoughts are with you you guys um now as a journalist I struggled I like worry about talking about things like this because in school from my professor who is about ethics and teaching us about transparency. Um, He was a purist. Um, And in that sense, it meant you could never talk about yourself. You could never show one side. Um, Very pure, like as rigid as a as you can be almost computer-like of telling the facts. So he just thought that you need to tell the facts and keep your opinions out of it? You can't say anything. You can't show anything. Um, 
and journalists usually do have strict editorial pieces that say this is editorial and label them like that or completely remain publicly neutral. Um, but I'm just going to come out for the Charlottesville podcast and say that um, this isn't about, in my opinion, it's not about journalism and it's not about political parties. I do not believe Republicans uh, feel this way. And if there were a wonderful Republican president, I would vote for him. I'm not saying I'm Democratic or Republican, but like in this instance, this instance has nothing to do with Republicans at all. Um, it's about wrong versus right and putting, being a human first. So in this podcast, um, and in life, I'm a human before I'm a journalist. Um, and what's been happening isn't political, and I don't believe that all right-leaning Republicans are like this, and this is just about decency, decency, equality, and humanity. And this is why we all need to speak out. It's important. And I'm sorry if this makes me enemies. Actually, I'm not sorry if this makes me enemies with people. This is something that is beyond me, and I'm going to talk how everyone should be talking right now. I agree with you. And I guess I also feel, I feel like I'm in a little bit of a different boat from you right now because I have never been a journalist. So I don't know exactly what you're feeling right now. Um, but at the same time on um, my social media, which right now is just on Instagram with my yoga Instagram, I feel like I um, don't say exactly um, 100% how I feel. I do, in a sense, I'm all about um, sharing love and positivity and kindness, and I do say that, but at the same time, I'm never like saying, oh, I disagree with this person, or do you get what I'm saying at all? And so that's where I sit right now, kind of, maybe this is the first time when I am going to say some things that people that I'm close to and people that I love could maybe disagree Yep, but sometimes you just have to stand up. Yep. So we're going to do it. Okay, so first let's just talk about what happened in Charlottesville. We're going to give a brief timeline summary. I got this from the Sinclair Broadcast Group and some of the things I talk about, and I'll try to mention it, um, it was also from the New York Times. But some of it's just well known, so I'm just saying it because everyone knows it. So on Thursday, August 10th, uh, Jason Kessler, the organizer of Unite the Right, files a federal lawsuit against the city of Charlottesville after they move his white nationalist demonstration from the Emancipation Park to McIntyre Park. Um, And first, this is all about, uh, well, they claim. They claim it's about uh, removing the city wanting to voting to remove Confederate statues. Um, And so the protest was initially to say we want the Confederate statues to remain. Yeah, that's what they claimed it's about. Okay, I don't think that was the intent. Um, It's higher than that. Um, A federal judge rules in favor of Kessler. The Saturday event is to be held in Emancipation Park. the National Guard will be on the scene in a support capacity. But this event is supposed to occur on Saturday afternoon, but on Friday evening, something else happens along with that. That evening, a group of white nationalists carrying torches and guns um, marched through the University of Virginia's campus in Charlottesville, Virginia. So torches and guns. Is this a peaceful demonstration? 
I would not feel safe if I saw guns and torches. White men. Solely white men. It was solely white men? Um, shouting, you will not replace us. White lives matter. They were neo-Nazis. And you can find a video of this on uh, Elizabeth Ann's Facebook. She, like, she went viral. I guess she was one of the students there that took a video of it. But it was during the summer, so I guess she was taking a summer class or just didn't leave for the summer. Um, so if you were to search for her, then you would find a video of yeah, what it went she viral. saw? Mm-hmm. She publicized it. She went like Facebook Live. Um, now, Meg, you can kind of talk to this. Um, I'm going to pause here for a second. Something I have never remembered living through or truly witnessing or re- is something like this. I don't remember growing up with this. I don't remember witnessing things like this. I remember one time vividly as a child, my mom being afraid because um, there were possible KKK groups coming through our city. Um, But do you remember any of this happening? Do you remember witnessing any of this besides in history books or reading about it through history? The only thing that I remember, I don't know if you know this about McKenzie, but my school, my high school that I went to was um, Jack C. Hayes High School. And um, we, our school fat flag was the Confederate flag. And um, wow. Yeah. I don't, you probably didn't know this Mm-mm. about me. And we were the rebels and we sang oh. our school song was, well, I'm assuming we still are the rebels. Like, I'm assuming that's still our maybe not mascot. But um, whenever I was in eighth grade to ninth grade, they there was a petition to no longer fly the Confederate flag as the flag and instead to make it a white flag with like a red and blue H, I think, for haze. So in between um, when I was about to start high school, we, they got it passed and they said, we're no longer going to fly the Confederate flag. It's going to be this brand new flag that is not nearly as um, derogatory. Is that the right word for that? Or Discriminative? Just, yeah, insensitive, completely insensitive, really. But during this time, I mean, how old are you when you go to the ninth grade? Are you like 14? Yeah. And so I was just like, why is this happening? Like, I never, it didn't click that this flag stood for so much more than my high school or the high school that I was about to be attending. And so I was like, they're taking away our traditions and, you know, why do we have to have this new flag and blah, blah, blah. And I was 14 years old. And so it didn't click that it's racist and it's not an okay flag to fly. And in 2000 three or whatever year I started high school that is not okay to happen and so I am so thankful that my school changed the flag Um, I also think that they're doing they're making other changes as well I don't think that we're allowed to sing Dixie anymore which used to be like our school song and wow yeah holy crap like I I was a dancer I was on the dance team and we had a dancer team to Dixie and it's, I wish I was in the land of cotton. Old times there, not forgotten. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm coming from an extremely Southern school. And so, um, but whenever you're in it and whenever you're living it and whenever you're young and when that's all you know, 
you think you don't see what the flag stood for, what the song stood for. You just think that you don't get it. And then now that I'm old and older and I get it, it's just like, how was this ever okay? How is it ever okay for us to fly the Confederate flag through 2003 or whatever year we did? How is that okay? And I was talking to one of my high school friends and she is very um, left-leaning like I am. And she was just like, you know, I was saying how guilty I felt that um, I thought that it was okay and how I didn't realize. And she was just saying, hey, I thought the same thing. Um, You grow up, you learn more, you realize how insensitive and discriminating that flag meant. And now you're standing up and doing and you're not conforming to the way that you grew up. And so, um, which speaks volumes, it's hard not to be exactly the way you were raised. Yeah. And so, um, and in no way, oh, not by your parents, but yeah. I, meant, I meant the school. And right, right. And the, not by your parents. Sorry, yeah. Guys. Yeah. No. And my mom was even like, no, it's not okay that you guys are flying the Confederate right. flag. Right. Yeah. And I was like, but mom, we've flown it since we were ha- like, f- as long as I can remember, we've had the flag at the football game. And she's like, no, it's not okay. It stands for slavery. And then that's when I was kind of like, okay, yeah, you're right. And then now that I'm older, I'm just like, this is completely terrible. Please knock down all of the Confederate statues and please Jack C. Hayes High School do not fly the Confederate flag. Yeah. So definitely. I Which was, speaks volumes. I was a little bit different than you in terms of I did see a little bit of it happening. But I feel like demonstrations like this and maybe even what you were talking about with your high school, um, it shows that racism and anti-Semitism because it was also like a neo-Nazi protest, um, is not dead. It was just closeted. And I feel like uh, recent cultural shifts and events have inspired a proud resurgence, possibly. I mean, even the KKK had hoods not showing their faces. So now they are showing their faces. So what does that even demonstrate? That they're proud? That it's not wrong? And it's not wrong to feel this way? It's almost a new level of low. What do you think about that? The KKK had hoods. Not that saying that's any better. It's even scarier. But right, what the hell? I they're didn't, like not even ashamed. I didn't think about the fact that they're not even ashamed anymore. But it's true. They're out there on social media. Their pictures, their faces, everything. They're not ashamed of how they're feeling or what they're thinking. That's a new psychological level. Don't it you feel it? Like? Is yeah. Um, and although black people were always experiencing it, and it became evident and a large realization this past week for us, it's a wake-up call that the fight for equality is long from over, and we need to fight, and we need to stand up against it. Um, It's crazy that this isn't over. Is it not crazy? Kind of, and kind of not. Like, there were people and slaves that we whipped, like, less than 200 freaking years ago. Like, it's going to be a long time. Yeah. It's going to be a long time. But I am apologizing for not realizing it earlier. Um, So how was there a cultural shift at all? Why are people speaking out? Why are there marches? And why isn't there more education? Like, and I'm going to get into this more. I think it's because of the president we elected. 
I mean, there's, I feel like the timing, there's no other reason. I'm not going to say there's no other reason, but the timing is too coincidental for it not to be the reason. Mm -hmm. And we just had a black, our first black president. How can this be so drastic? How? It's literally night and day. It's terrifying. Um, so, I mean, a lot of those people are set in their ways, but maybe we can change a few minds and maybe we can spread knowledge that just contribute to all these voices. I know this is talked about extremely, but it should be over talked about. It should be just beating a dead horse about it because, you know, it, it, we need to share it and show that it's wrong to the future generations. I think like what you were mentioning about how some people are really set in their ways. Um, I think that that is the case and some people are really set in their ways. And um, the older you get, I think the more set in your ways you get potentially. I'm not going to say all the time, but that's most likely how it is. But at the same time, maybe younger generations or maybe um, how I was when I was 13 or 14, you know, look at how different I am now. And so maybe it is that time to reach the younger generations um, where we can change minds. And um, maybe even some people who are completely set in their ways, maybe if there's just a little bit of a question in the back of their mind. And the fact that you, I mean, you were young, so your mind was pretty malleable, but like the fact that you could change and your mom told you it was wrong after you thinking it was like wrong the opposite way you could change yes so maybe we'll change someone's mind or maybe all of this talk will change a few people's minds so the next morning after the rally um in the white nationalists a group of counter protesters arrive in the park long before the event's scheduled start time uh violence breaks out law enforcement declares the gathering a unlawful assembly while the state governor announces a state of emergency. Around 1 p.m., President Donald Trump takes to Twitter to offer a generic condemnation of the conflict that's unfolding. Um, He says, we all must be united and condemn all that hate stands for. There's no place for this kind of violence in America. Let's come together as one. Less than a half hour later, a Dodge Challenger rams into the group of counter-protesters killing one 32-year-old woman, Heather, um, and injuring at least 19 others. Uh, Shortly after, we are also doing this in honor of Heather's legacy, her family, her loved ones. Yeah, we should all be like Heather. So shortly after 3 p.m., Trump speaks from his vacation in New Jersey, condemning the violence, He says he blames the events lay on many sides, the blame. Not just the side of the far right, the alt right. Uh, The sweeping statement earned him criticism from parties, both parties, and placed pressure on fellow Republicans to condemn the racist viewpoints. Um, Less than two hours later, a helicopter crashed a police helicopter killing the two state troopers inside. Do you know, um, were they in the helicopter to go there and to, yeah, they were monitoring the situation. Oh, they were monitoring the situation and it's still, uh, under investigation as to the cause of the crash. 
Oh, they don't know why it crashed? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So the man suspected to be behind the wheel is James Alexander Fields, Jr. Uh, law enforcement announces three others have been arrested as well. Um, now Sunday, August 13th. Ugh. The day after the rallies and vigils are held across the country in honor of the three dead and dozens more injured in Seattle, where we are, and elsewhere, some des- demonstrations turn violent. Um, in Charlottesville, one man hit by Fields asks, who is accountable for Heather's life? Unite the right leader, Kessler, attempts to hold a press co- conference in Charlottesville. He um, has ran off from the scene. I saw that video on social media. He was trying to have a press conference, but it definitely was not going in his direction. Megan, you live in downtown Seattle. Did you see anything? We did see a little bit of a protest. Actually, I think it was the um, the part that I saw was the alt-right having a protest. Um, I And then the alt, I don't know, would you call it the alt-left? Not, no. No. No, we're not going to call it that. Okay. Because that's like Trump's thing of like trying to make us seem extreme. Yes, you're right. Okay. The anti-alt-right um, was going to have a counter-protest against them in downtown Seattle. But the last that I heard, and I don't know if this was true, the they decided to not have an have an anti-protest but instead hold a vigil instead for Heather's life and for her loved ones but I don't know if that's exactly how things played out or not um but I did see a little bit it was um a couple of streets were blocked off um and police officers were guarding the crosswalks to avoid um and then they had vans blocking the cross intersections to avoid anybody being able to drive through mm-hmm. okay so trump's comments dash lack of action so the day after what happened on saturday he retweeted a and i'll clarify a cartoon image of a cnn reporter getting hit by a train the day after heather died by being hit by a car when I you asked me to read your notes before um, the podcast just to see, get an idea of what we were going to talk about, and I had not seen that tweet at all, and so Let me look it up while you're, and so I was, I saw it and I was like, is this real? Like, did this actually happen? And why in the world was he tweeting about this? The day was it the the day after? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Do you see it? Yes. And it has Trump on the side of the train. And he retweeted it? See? Oh my gosh, he did. Did he take it down? Yeah. Oh, he did? Well, still, it's already too late. It's too late. When you're on Twitter like that, and when you're that vocal on Twitter, everybody's going to catch it. That's why the internet's permanent. Um... Okay, so... So in my mind was blown that that actually happened. Yeah, people criticized him until he eventually made a well-planned-out, scripted, generic statement, I believe, on Monday. Sorry, this is like a very intense timeline, Um, and it all happened, like, very quickly. Um, So I'm just going to read a few quotes from his 
speech on Monday. Okay, so he said, to anyone who acted criminally... Oh, and this transcript is from uh, the New York Times, but anyone can watch the video and this is accurate. So, to anyone who acted criminally in this weekend's racist violence, you will be held fully accountable. Justice will be delivered. As I said on sat- Saturday, we condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence. There, It has no place in America. And I have said many times before, no matter the color of our skin, we all live under the same laws. We all salute to the same great flag. And And we are all made by the same almighty God. Um, We must love each other, show affection for each other, and unite in condemnation of hate, bigotry, and violence. We must rediscover the bonds of loyalty that bring us together as Americans. Racism is evil, and all those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs. Thugs is a word in itself I want to talk about later, including the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and other hate groups that are repugnant to everything we hold dear as Americans. Okay. So then on Tuesday, he majorly shifts his tone at a, pref- at a press conference on what was supposed to be an infrastructure discussion. So let's look back at what he said on Saturday. He blames the events that lay on many sides. Then Monday, he goes against the KKK and neo-Nazis and white supremacists. But then let's go back to Tuesday. So he majorly shifts his tone at a press conference on what was supposed to be an infrastructure discussion. Here's some quotes from what he said. There's blame on both sides. That's one quote. Excuse me, excuse me, take it nice and easy. Here's the thing. When I made a statement, I like it to be correct. I want the facts. This event just happened. In fact, a lot of the event didn't happen yet. As we were speaking, this event just happened before I made a statement. I need the facts. So I don't want to rush into a statement. So the so making the statement when I did when I made it was excellent. In fact, the young woman who I hear is a fantastic young woman, and it was said on NBC. Her mother wrote me and through I guess Twitter, social media, the nicest things, and I very much appreciated that. I hear she was a fine, really actually an incredible young woman. But her mother thanked me on Twitter for what I said. Was that true? Uh, I think so, but then now the mother has gone out and said she doesn't appreciate it. Um, and honestly, if the press weren't fake and if it was honest, the press would have said what I said was very nice. But unlike you, there's crosstalk and arguments with him. But unlike you and unlike the media, before I make a statement, I want it to be the facts. Um, but if you've looked on his past presidency, it's been proven that many things he just blurts out is not factual, like saying President Obama is not from the United States to many, many, many other things that he said is not factual. We would be here all day. I also think that we should point out that your actions speak stronger than your words Mm -hmm. sometimes. And so, yes, you can say one thing, but then if your actions show something completely differently, then your words are meaningless. Right. Okay. Here's more quotes. Look, look, I like Mr. Bannon. He's a friend of mine. Mr. Bannon came on very late. You know that I went through 17 senators, governors, 
and I want all the primaries. Mr. Bannon came on very much later than that, and I like him. He's a good man. He's not a racist. I can tell you that. He's a good person. We're going to talk about who Steve Bannon is in a minute. Um, he actually gets a very unfair press in that regard, but we'll see what happens to Mr. Bannon, but he's a very good person, and I think the press treats him, frankly, very unfairly. So I'm assuming this was after Bannon was fired. No, this was before. Right oh, this before. was before. Right before. Oh, okay. So it's like uh, foreshadowing. Um, did I already say that? Okay. Anyway, um, you had some very bad people in that group, but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. What? You had people in that group. Excuse me. Excuse me. I saw the same pictures that you did. You had very you had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down to them a very important statue, a very very important statue and the renaming of the park from Robert E. Lee to another name. Goes on to say George Washington was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we going to take down, excuse me, are we going to take down statues of George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Okay, good. We Are we going to take down the statue because he was a major slave owner? Now we're going to take down his statue. So you know what? It's fine. You're changing history. You're changing culture. And you had people, I'm not talking about neo-Nazis or the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally, but you had people, you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. So now the other group, you had some fine people, but you also had some troublemakers. And you need to see, and you see them come out in black outfits and with the same helmets and with the baseball bats. You had a lot of bad people in the other group, too. I think that the George Washington and the Thomas Jeffersons of the his- of history Whenever we grow up and whenever we learn about George Washington, we only see him in a positive light. Don't when you say when we're young and in elementary school, which it shouldn't be history, should be facts. Facts. So we should learn about him um, being our first president. We should learn all the facts about him being the first president of this country. But we should also learn about the fact that he was a slave owner. I remember the day that I found out that George Washington was a slave owner, and my mind was blown. Mm-hmm. blown because I was like I thought he was the greatest man ever he founded this country he I don't know if I shouldn't say he founded this country he was the first president of this One country of and so then my mind was literally blown that he was a slave owner I should have learned both things at the same time yes um, shouldn't I have shouldn't you have I'm actually going to bring up that whole thing too too here soon and we can go into those statues more in depth But I wanted really quickly to go back and say, comparing the people, like you don't go into that torch rally and with guns ablazing, you don't go into that not knowing what you're doing. You don't go into that. You're not a fine person. You're like, no, you're not. Right. You're not. No, you're not. You and if you are for some reason a fine person and you and you hear them chanting, wouldn't you be like, oh, oh, maybe I've gone too far. Right. Yeah, that was insane that he said that there's good people on both sides. You're a racist. And there's 
people were counter protesting because that's the right thing to do. Yep. Um, then following the tweets now, this is the statue parts where we'll go into the statues. Um, so this is a tweet that he said, and I want to hear what you think, Megan. Um, sad to see the history and culture of our great country being ripped apart with the removal of our beautiful statues and monuments. You can't change history, but you can learn from it. Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson, who's next? Washington Jefferson. So foolish. Also, the beauty is taken down out of the cities and the parks will be greatly missed and can never be comparably replaced. Do you want me to go into what I'm going to say or do you want to say what you're going to say? What I want to say about this is that I don't want to change our history and our history has beautiful times and our history has terrifyingly racist times. And in no way do I want to change the history. And I think all of the future generations of America need to see all of the sides of our history. But at the same time, we should not have statues that represent a racist side of our country and a racist past of our country. And so the only part of that quote that I agree with is that history shouldn't be erased and you're and I think that that is right history should not be replaced but it should also not be um the face of these cities and these parks as um confederate soldiers right so I was a history minor. Did you know that, Meg? No. I was a history minor. So I, th- I think history is important. Uh, history is it extremely important to remember and not repeat our mistakes, which makes all of this more ironic. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Do you yeah. get that irony? <laughs> yes. Um, literature and media record our history. But statues, I believe personally that statues are a celebration or in honor or in memory of something. Mm-hmm. They're not there to just be a piece of history. They're a celebration. Do you think that's true? Yes. You're, I think whenever you see a statue of somebody, it's an, it's honoring them, remembering their lives. Yep. So the Confederacy was on the side in the Civil War of defending slavery. There's no argument against that. That's what it was for. They went against our union. So why are they being celebrated? You can't tell me that the statue doesn't represent slavery. Mm-mm. It's horrible. And although our founding fathers were slave owners and it's horrible, I don't think they're next necessarily to be taken down. But th- at least, at the very least, and I'm not like trying to celebrate them, but at least they, well, they did great things. So maybe in some ways I do celebrate them, but they aren't solely known for that. Robert E. Lee was a Confederate leader that's what he's known for Mm -hmm. there's a difference it kind of goes back to my therapist who told me that a person can feel multiple contradicting emotions at the same time so maybe when we think of George Washington we have to say this person did terrible things and this person did good things it's kind of like one of those things where you're one person but you can have multiple feelings and you can have multiple opinions. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, it does. Okay, so Steve Bannon, we're going to go into him. Okay. And how he plays a significant role in this. 
So he's the main person, significance of significance, that stands up for Trump during all of this. But who is he for the people that might not be as well in tune to politics? Um, he's the chief strategist of the White House. But his presence, his presence in all of this, and he helped him in the campaign, the presence sets a tone. He's one of the main people in the White House, but what is he known for outside? Bannon was a founding member of the board of the I, Breitbart, Breitbart, I think I pronounced it, how would you pronounce Breitbart. Breitbart, I don't even read it, so I have no idea. News, and it's an online far-right opinion and commentary website, according to Philip, L- and this is taken from Wikipedia, actually, but the sources are all at the bottom where you can click on links, and they're true. Um According to Philip Elliott and Zeke J. Miller of Time, he has pushed racist, or not he, the publication that he founded or on the board, a founding member, he it pushes racist, sexist, xenophobic, and anti-Semitic material into the vein of the alternative right. So this is a person in the White House, right? That was in the White House. So the day before... Trump, Trump's awful and highly controversial statements. So the day after his statements and after he says, we don't know what's happening with Steve Bannon, he's removed. And in my opinion, he's removed and it's not his choice. It's like his White House staff pushing him to be correct. You mean it's not Trump's choice? Yes. Trump would want him there right now is what you're saying? Yes. He's being removed based on pressure. I mean, after he just said what a good guy he was and how they're friends and he, he doesn't was, know what is about to happen to him. Yeah. It's out of pressure. I think it's out of pressure. So Steve Bannon, after he's removed, he says that he still supports Trump, showing that they're friends. And t- Trump tweets the day after all of saying or on 819, Steve Bannon will be a tough and smart new voice at Breitbart News um, maybe even a better f- than before. Fake news needs the competition. So what does that symbolize? The alt-right newspaper. What does that all symbolize? That symbolizes a hell of a lot. It symbolizes that Trump supports his news. So let's go back and rewind of how, why Megan and I kind of think this is stemmed from Trump this violence trump's racism against people of islamic faith and perpetuating that fear behind people of that faith um saying hispanics are rapists and criminals bad hombres there's just so many examples prior to this and not to mention on the feminist side that he leaked audio audio was leaked of him in a clear disrespect toward women saying grabbing them by the pussy which which I want to take time out to talk about this because good for you <laughs> it should be because I um I think his argument was that it was locker room talk and men talk and I just want to say that I am dating a man who would and he has confirmed this that he has never talked like this in a locker room setting When you're just talking about men. And in the past, I probably have dated people who do talk like this. And the night and day, 
in the relationship is completely different. You can't even compare the two. How much I feel respected in the relationship that I'm in and how in the past I haven't felt respected in the relationships that I've been in. And so if you are dating friends with whatever, with a man who does participate in this type of locker room banter, I can tell you that the other side where the locker room banter does not involve grabbing pussies, talking about women's boobs, whatever, the light at the end of the tunnel is to get out of this relationship. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, here's a personal story, Meg. I actually forgot to bring this up in catcalling. But, you know, when I would do live shots as a journalist, I would have men in trucks drive by and say, grab grab her by the pussy. After it came out that Trump said it? So if that doesn't show you that what the Trump or what the president and what the Trump, what the president say matters. That's crazy. And influences culture. What else does? It's not okay. And young men could be greatly influenced by it and it's sad so now I'm going to go into a topic that do you have anything else to say on it all Megan no okay now I'm going to go into a topic that probably makes some people feel uncomfortable but I'm going to talk about white privilege I'm going to talk about black lives matter um some of this is from here. I'm going to click on the link so I can show you where all of this is from. Um, some of this is inspired actually by the Gabby Show uh, YouTube video uh, last year on July 16th. Um, and then some of this is also inspired by uh, Understanding White Privilege, a document by Dr. Francis E. Kendall. Okay. So it's about what is white privilege about? And people might want to turn that off because privilege in itself, I think why people want to turn it off just sounds like an insult. Um, But we just need to not think about it as an insult and just sit there and take it and understand what is happening. So it's about understanding the benefits, immunities, and rights that come with being white. It's institutional. And what institutional means Uh, It's an adjective of the word institution. Institution is a significant practice, relationship, or organization in a society or culture. So, for example, what this might mean is, or what being uh, recognizing white privilege as a white person is, is recognizing it and not ignoring the issue. And by recognizing this and not ignoring it and speaking out and recognizing our white privilege, that in turn, recognizing the problem is the first step. And then we can figure out solutions. So first, we need to just all come out and say and recognize that we have white privilege. What can we do to make equality better? And if we truly believe in equality, that's what we need to do. Sorry, we had to take a pause on that because our video equipment isn't the best. But by recognizing and not ignoring the issue, basically, is what I was trying to say. Yes, and I think that I am beyond privileged. Beyond privileged. Not my skin color makes me privileged. My family upbringing makes me privileged. So does your skin color. My skin color makes me privileged. Everything makes me privileged. Mm-hmm. So... By recognizing it, do you agree with me though, Megan? By recognizing the fact that there is a problem, the first step in solving a problem is understanding the problem. Yes, 
And I don't know if you're going to get into this more later, but I know that some white people then say, don't say black lives matter, say all lives matter. And we're getting into that. (laughs) And I think, I think it is 100. I know that all lives matter. I know that every single life on this planet matters. And I get that, but we don't need to remind ourselves that white lives matter. We don't need to remind ourselves that we already know that what we don't know and what some people don't know is that black lives matter. And so that is why the hashtag everything is black lives matter. Right. We'll definitely dive into that more. So we can't ever empathize with this, but what we can do is sympathize. So for example, would you ever fear Megan walking around with your hoodie up or being stereotyped as a thug? No. The word thug. I hate the word thug. It's like one of the stereotypes for women, like bitch. Yeah, it is. (sighs) (laughs) So what can we do? Power through being uncomfortable and being cognizant of ourselves and recognizing that there is a difference and maybe how do we improve it? And by recognizing and facing these issues head on, it will help us in the way toward the goal of equality. Any more thoughts on white privilege? Nope, just that it's true. Okay, so black lives, here we go. Black lives matter doesn't mean that all lives don't matter or that white lives don't matter as much. It's just a group trying to articulate that their race isn't being treated the same or of the same value and it's activism, but it's not pitting itself against someone else. Do you have any thoughts on that? My thought, I saw a really good Instagram today and it wasn't towards color of skin, but it was towards girl power. And it said something along the lines of just because she succeeds at something doesn't mean that you fail. And I think that we can treat that the same with this Black Lives Matter. Just because we're saying Black Lives Matter doesn't mean that your life doesn't matter. Right. Um, I think even at first I was offended at white privilege because I didn't think of myself as a racist. So I was like, hey, like, don't put me in that, you know? And But then I was like, oh, crap, I've never felt that way. Right. And also it's like, oh, boo, I have, I, I didn't pick what color skin I have, so I'm not white privileged, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, nobody picks what color skin they have. No one. Right? But there's a difference. There's a huge difference. Okay, so not not fundamentally, but what society has made it. So we just need to get back to equality. So what I want to do is educate myself. I want to hear what other people are going through, and I want to sympathize because I can never empathize, and I want to speak up. Um, and that's all. That's the that's what I had got to do, and that's why I'm here today talking about it. So yeah. Now I'm gonna kind of segue into something else attacks on the media now this isn't this is just kind of relating to it a little bit but I come from the media's perspective and maybe this is gonna not make me a journalist but oh well I'm gonna call it out this is dangerous what he does to the media it's dangerous Trump saying the media is fake and calling out journalists is horrific and scary Why? It is the journalist's job to keep power in check, to point out corruptness and negative behavior. So the fact that they are critical of him isn't bad, and they are maybe more critical because of his own actions than other press presidents. And I don't think we're being critical enough. Um, 
So back in June, um, this is from CNN, though, which is known for being more left-leaning right now, but they are undermining the press by limiting the White House press briefing. They did in June. They stopped audio and cameras for a while at the White House press briefing. So before Trump was president, was CNN known as being left-leaning? Probably more down the middle than it is now, but... Do you think that it's left-leaning? At times, I think they might go a little too far. Yeah. I think the one that I would recommend as a journalist is NPR. Oh, I love NPR. Oh, God. I'm so old, and I love NPR. (laughs) So NPR... You don't think that they're known as being left-leaning? I think they are, but I think it's because they're just calling them out. Because they're saying that you think NPR is saying the facts? Yes. Um, So fake news is a horrible connotation because it belittles what should be the distribution of the truth. And even former Republican President George W. Bush comments saying the media is indispensable to democracy. He quote he was quoted as saying, "We need an independent media to hold people like me into account. Uh, power can be very addictive and it can be corrosive, and it's important for the media to call to account people who abuse their power, whether it be here or elsewhere." I think whenever he says power can be very addictive, I mean, just look at what's happening. So why is this relating back to Charlottesville, going back to the neo-Nazis, going back to the alt-right? Why is this scary, especially at this time? This is what Hitler attacked first. Hitler attacked the media first? Mm-hmm. Really? From the United... So after they kind of took power, um, this is for a source. The source is from the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum, the website, Once they succeeded in ending democracy and turning Germany into a one-party dictatorship, the Nazis orchestrated a massive propaganda campaign to win the loyalty and cooperation of Germans. Textbooks were rewritten. So, propaganda itself. Propaganda tries to force a doctrine on the whole people. Propaganda works on the general public from the standpoint of an idea and makes them ripe for the victory of the idea. Adolf Hitler wrote these words in which he advocated the use of propaganda to spread the ideas of national socialism, among them racism, anti-Semitism, and uh, anti-Bolshevism, which I'm sorry that I'm not educated on that. Um, following the Nazi seizure of power in 1933, Hitler established uh, a REACH Ministry of Public Enlightenment and Propaganda headed by Joseph I'm not for sure his last name. The ministry's aim was to ensure that the Nazi message was successfully communicated through art, music, theater, films, books, radio, educational materials, and the press. That's insane. Can I tell you something that happened this week? Yes. So after all this happened, I, one night I couldn't fall asleep. And so I just ended up on Google for like way too long. (laughs) And I ended up on Hitler's Wikipedia page. Because, I mean, one thing leads to another and you end up on Hitler's Wikipedia page. And so, did you know he was a vegetarian? No. Yeah, and he would um, tell people that he was having dinner with. He would tell them about the slaughtering process of cows and animals to try to get them to be vegetarian as well. Mm. Isn't that the most insane thing you've ever heard in your life? And he basically slaughtered humans. Yes. Well, he did. He didn't basically. He slaughtered humans. He slaughtered Six million, I believe. Humans, yet he was trying to convince other people not to slaughter cows. 
is that not the most crazy thing you've ever heard in your life? Mm-hmm. So I think, what do you think about all this? Do you think it's scary? And I think it's really scary and I really, really don't want history to repeat itself. And that's the first thing that we learn. Whenever I remember like your first history lesson, they say, you're going to ask yourself, why do I care about history? Why it's in the past. We shouldn't care about it. What's done is done. And the history teacher will tell you, no, you're learning this. So history does not repeat itself. Or if something positive and something good comes out of history, then you can repeat those things. And so I think that I just really don't want history to repeat itself. And I think that I also get, I was proud to be an American and I am still really proud to be an American, but, um, I don't, I'm also embarrassed by the few who are being racist and I'm embarrassed by our president. Um, and I want to go back on the irony and stress it a little bit more. They're talking about don't erase history. Don't go back on it. But the ones that are taking down these monuments that are saying don't erase history, you're saying that because you say don't repeat racism, correct? Because that's what they did in history. But the ones that are protesting to not take it down are the ones who are racist. Yeah. It's like... What the literal F are you even talking about? Like, you're irrelevant. Stop talking. Yeah, I mean, it's like a really big tangled web right there. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us. Oh, we are going to read them one of the most retweeted tweets in history by our last president, Barack Obama. No one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or religion or his religion. Thank you, Barack Obama. I retweeted that. I liked it. I did everything I could for that tweet. Okay, well, thanks for joining us for another one. Um, We're going to have more lighthearted ones, but this needs to be talked about, and we need to point out, call a spade a spade. Comment. Tell us what you think about this episode, Um, even if you disagree with us. Yeah, just try not to be hateful, maybe. Be nice if you disagree with us. Okay. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Um, Thank you. Special edition. Bye. Bye.